I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we embrace a holistic approach to personal health and empower women to break free from the noise of today's diet culture. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey to becoming healthier, stronger, and more resilient in this life. If you found this podcast, you might be somebody who is tired of feeling bombarded with unrealistic body standards and conflicting health advice and just ready to rebel against the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. This is a great opportunity and place to create a lifestyle that truly works for you. And I want to welcome you to your new home for everything health and wellness without any of those influences. Rebel Wellness is rooted in the belief that true wellness goes beyond just diet and exercise. It's about nurturing our minds bodies, and souls in a way that aligns with our unique needs and values. So if you are new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome. And if you are a ride or die, hello again. So happy that you have returned. Diving right into today's topic, we are digging really deep into the first major macronutrient that I want you to be a professional at, (laughs) or at least master the understanding around this nutrient so that you can see why it is so insanely important for majority of our health goals and longevity. And that macronutrient is, of course, protein. So it's really not a wonder why so many professionals um, across the board, from physiologists to neuroscientists to strength training professionals, etc., are constantly pushing protein on their clientele, their patients, etc., or just sharing the wisdom of it across social media more and more nowadays than ever because For some different reasons, um, we have kind of a convoluted understanding of just how important this nutrient is for our body. It's an essential nutrient. You cannot have a healthy life long-term without it. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit deeper, but it's important to know that this nutrient is absolutely essential for being able to manage your blood sugar, have more balanced hormones manage your body composition. So like we talked about in the last episode and previous episodes, we often see people with a surplus of body fat when they are under consuming protein. You usually don't see somebody in a high protein diet with a high percentage of body fat, unless it's like a sumo wrestler or something like that, or it's part of their um, training and the way they eat. Sumo wrestlers are honestly a very fascinating group of athletes because they defy the science of having a high body fat percentage and um, having a high risk of heart disease and stuff. Their heart disease risk because of their weight only increases once they are retired from the sport. It's really an interesting kind of thing. I encourage you to Google it if you're curious, but they, um, by the fact that they consume high protein diets and are constantly training heavily, they actually have a healthier body fat composition in a way that they don't actually develop visceral fat because of their training intensity. Um, which visceral fat, as we know, is the fat that develops around our organs. And that is the biggest um, contributor to a lot of disease and um, different metabolic complications, especially as we age. So anyways, fun random fact there. But protein is the driver for majority of longevity health, cellular health, and hormone health. And for those of us listening that are females, which I think is majority of us listening, you definitely want to manage your hormones, especially as you go through every chapter of your life, because whether you're 
very premenopausal, like you're in your your teens, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, and then you're starting to edge into perimenopause in your 40s and early 50s, um, it will influence how you experience menopause. Menopause can either be amazing and easy, which is not very often, but that's also kind of a case of the times now because we don't tend to take care of ourselves, and a lot of women were scared away and a lot of people in general are being scared away of good quality complete proteins in general right now, but that is contributing to um, more hormone imbalance, especially because we are so stressed nowadays as well. So I cannot emphasize enough how important this nutrient is for so many reasons, and we're going to dive right into that right now. So stay tuned all the way to the end so that you can figure out exactly your own opinion on how you're going to take care of your body with this macronutrient. I also want to give a little quick disclaimer for anybody who's listening who is plant-based, plant-forward, vegan, raw vegan, you know, any of those kind of areas, um, vegetarian, but there's a lot of people who are lacto-vegetarian, so they are consuming complete proteins, um, This is a conversation where I am not here to shame anybody for any of their choices. Everybody is allowed to choose what they want for their own reasons. What I'm going to be presenting and talking about in this episode is strictly for your physiology, your biology, and scientific facts. So it's talking more about giving you the information for you to make the choices for yourself based upon how your body is actually um, reacting to that choice. I have worked with a multitude of females over the years that we have had to reincorporate high quality, sustainable animal proteins into their diet to save their health. And this is something that a lot of people aren't really talking about um, because it's also not pushed in mainstream media because it's not popular. And that's something that I think is doing a huge disservice to understanding that there is a balance that must be had, especially for the female body, especially because we carry baby humans. You know, we do so much more than a male body and we need a lot more and we're cyclical. We don't stay linear throughout every single month. So with all of that knowledge, it is important to know that wherever you stand listening to this episode, don't tune out now because this might be one of the most important episodes that could save your health. And it is important to know that you can find a balance where you might just need to incorporate something that involves these essential amino acids, which I'm going to talk about next, um, into your diet once, two times, three times, four times a week to help you get back on track with better health, but still support your underlying mission. If you are somebody who is doing it um, for animal rights or whatnot, you can always choose um, sources of things such as like eggs, for example, where chickens lay eggs. They're, They're like us. We cycle eggs in and out of our body every month, whether or not they're fertilized. Baby chickens don't come from unfertilized eggs. This is why eggs are one of the best, most Uh, useful sources of protein that have a full amino acid complex available to people who want to reduce their animal protein consumption. So I've had several vegan clients have amazing results from just incorporating eggs back into their diet um, slowly but surely, and that can help a ton. And it's also something that those eggs are going to get wasted anyways. Chickens need to lay eggs because they're like us. We cycle. We cycle out eggs, and if they're not fertilized, they're not chickens. So that's something to explore. Um, If you are somebody who's trying to be a little bit more open, if you're realizing that your hormones are very imbalanced, that's most likely the cause is that your body is now getting depleted of these nutrients. And those nutrients 
do more than just put muscle on your body. Like I've talked about many times, this is important to understand that those nutrients also support other systems that balance various systems in your body. And that means you need to know that hormones are created and um, balanced through a lot of these systems. And if those systems aren't working properly, your hormones are going to become imbalanced and your health might suffer because of that. So it's really, I know a lot of people want to keep avoiding that realization sometimes, but do know that you do have options that are more aligned with your underlying goal if you are somebody who's in it for religious reasons or for any specific like animal rights reasons etc but if you are somebody who's just trying it because it's popular i would encourage you to consider opening your mind when you listen to this chat to understand that it's a bigger picture than we kind of are making it seem it's not very black and white it's very gray and uh well Concepts of it are very black and white, like essential amino acids are extremely black and white. We absolutely know the human body and brain needs them, but choices of what diet restrictions to follow is up to you. And if you're afraid of people judging you for any changes of choices you make, just know that people are always going to come and go in your life and making your health decisions based upon what other people think of you is not going to get you on the path for your best your best life, quote unquote. So I just feel it's really important for me to state that in the beginning of this chat, because I know that it's such a hot button topic right now. And a lot of people have their own opinions on it. But having been in the nutrition space uh, for a decade now, um, I've seen a multitude of situations. And I have yet to see somebody follow plant based for a long term in their life and have high quality health. So finding what you can find, uh, finding what works for you and what is most balanced for your routine and can still support your values and your health matters. Don't sacrifice your health for something that is fleeting because we end up utilizing more resources when our health declines. We end up not showing up as good for our life and our community when our health declines. So that's what really matters. Okay, enough of all of that chat. (laughs) So we're going to go into understanding um, what proteins are. So proteins are the large molecules found in all living cells. They act like the building blocks to build tissues in the human body, such as muscle tissue, bones, blood, and hormones. So proteins function as enzymes. They're also antibodies, and they assist in maintaining fluid balance. So for people who struggle with water retention and... um, different types of kind of uh, bloating and things like that. If you're not consuming enough good quality protein, that could be contributing to it. So amino acids, what are they? So they're commonly called the building blocks of protein and proteins are the building blocks of muscle. So I'll say that one more time. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein and proteins are the building blocks of muscle. We don't eat simply just for protein. Like if you look at a nutrition label and you see like the protein count, that doesn't count. That, And that's going to kind of blow your mind and be very confusing. This tends to be in the beginning of when I'm coaching my nutrition clients. But just because it says a protein doesn't mean it's a complete protein. Those are two different things. But we're also not just eating for that number of protein because of that. We are eating for amino acid composition. And there are 20 amino acids in general, and nine of them are essential, meaning that those nine cannot be created in our body. They have to come from our food. So the other 
11 non-essential amino acids are not required in the diet because the body can synthesize them. This means that they can take different uh, nutrients in the body and combine them and create, synthesize those amino acids. But those amino acids are still vital to protein synthesis and they're still present in food. But because the body can make them, we don't have to worry about them in our diet. So that is 11 non-essential amino acids. The essential amino acids cannot be synthesized by the body in sufficient amounts for all the other processes they do, including muscle building. So they have to be obtained in the diet. So those are nine essential amino acids. And amino acids, you're always going to see an L and then a dash before their name. So for example, it's usually L-histidine, L-isoleucine, L-leucine, L-lysine, L-methothionone, L-theranine, L-tryptophan, L-valine, and L-phenylalanine. And those need to be consumed through food in your diet. Where can you find all of those amino acids? In complete protein sources. So this is where all complete protein sources come from animal products because animals are like us. They have consumed different foods, put them together in their body systems, like cows, for example, and turned it into a complete amino acid complex for other animals to then consume and continue that cycle of being nourished fully for all the systems your body needs to do. Sometimes there are non-essential amino acids that are conditionally essential. And what that means is during infancy, growth, and or disease states in like the latter half of your life, the body cannot synthesize enough of some of those non-essential amino acids and more of them are required in the diet because of this. So these are what you would call conditionally essential amino acids. And that's L-arginine, L-cysteine, L-glycine, and L-tyrosine. Those sometimes have to be supplemented in the diet if you are in one of those situations because your body is not always able to create, synthesize them enough. So we kind of look at the nutritional value of a protein dependent on what amino acids it contains and in what quantities. So a food that contains all of the essential amino acids in adequate amounts is called a complete protein source, like I've been talking about, and one that does not contain all of those amino acids in adequate amounts is called an incomplete protein source. In reality, this is animal protein versus plant protein. You can still get protein amino acids from plants. However, they cannot by design be complete proteins because even if it's something like soybeans, where they are considered more of a complete plant protein, they still have to be consumed in massive quantities in order to be enough of that complete protein because a small amount of it, even if those small amounts are more of a complete protein, they're not the amino acids are not in an adequate amount of quantity in that serving to be utilized at the same rate as a complete animal protein. So for example, a, a three ounce piece of steak has 173 calories, 25 grams of complete protein. So that protein is going to be utilized entirely by the body because it can be immediately used as all essential amino acids are involved in that protein source. Plant proteins for example, like soybeans, edamame, those are the same thing. One to one and a third cups is 249 calories and 25 grams of protein. You'd have so you'd have to eat a cup and a third of edamame to get the same amount of protein. However, the amino acids that are involved in it are not in the same ratios 
and are not complete the same as a piece of steak. So even if on paper they have the same grams of protein, the protein is not qualified the same because they don't have the same values of essential amino acids in each. Same thing goes for peanut butter. A lot of people seem to believe that peanut butter is a good quality of protein because there's been a lot of advertising from peanut corporation (laughs) on everything over the last several years that peanut butter is a good high protein snack. You need to consume six and a half tablespoons to get 25 grams of protein. And that is 613 calories. So you can either consume three ounces of steak for 173 calories and get a complete amino acid profile of 25 grams of protein, or you can consume six and a half tablespoons of peanut butter, which if you don't know what that looks like, that's like a little bit over a half cup. That's like two thirds cup of peanut butter. And you're consuming 613 calories total because dominantly peanut butter is actually a fat. So I will talk a little bit more about that in the fat episode, but that's a good comparison for you that peanut butter is not actually a very high protein snack. It does contain protein, but again, it's not containing all essential amino acids. So it's still an incomplete protein. So I'm not going to dive into all the different protein structures because that does influence the nutritional quality. It's important to know that large fibrous protein structures are more difficult to digest than smaller proteins and other structures such as like keratin are indigestible. So if that is involved in whatever source of protein you're consuming, some digestion of that fibrous proteins is considered incomplete, which means that not all the amino acids are absorbed and bioavailable in the body. Bioavailability just means if your body is able to utilize that nutrient and thereby it is decreasing the nutritional value of that protein source. And this is where a lot of times it can get so confusing because we just kind of think, okay, then the label on the protein bar says um, eight grams of protein. How much of it is your body able to use is different. And unfortunately, food companies don't have to care of the bioavailability of the protein they put in it. They just have to have a label that states, yes, there's protein in this and how much of it. But that doesn't mean that it's a complete protein with all amino acids involved. And to complicate it even further, there's a concept called denaturation. And that is when a protein is then changed, the structure is changed and thereby no longer complete or able to be utilized in the body either. So if some of these proteins are um, either artificially made, so think beyond meat, unfortunately, or if they are cooked too heavily with too much metals or alcohol, etc., that can change the structure of the protein and denature it and break it down and essentially no longer be utilized in the body the same either, which that's why how sometimes how much you heat things can definitely change the structure of the protein and its bioavailability as well. And that's where heavily processed artificial meats are problematic because they might say they have a protein gram on the package, but how much of it is actually utilizable, (laughs) able to be used by the body is questionable. And of course, they're not going to put that on the packaging because they don't want you to question, oh, should I buy this or not? They just want you to believe like, oh, yeah, this is a good protein source. And uh, wherever your goals are, it fulfills that goal. So you're just going to consume it thinking you're getting that protein. In reality, your body may not be able to use 
some or all of that protein in general. And again, this is not a hypothesis or hearsay. This is a fact because we have been able to study it in the human body. And you also can just tell by different people's body types when they are consuming more processed artificial protein sources versus true natural in its most pure form protein sources. And a little bit more of interesting facts to know about these structural, different structures of protein. There are a hundred thousand different proteins in the human body. This is why it's so important for us to consume protein in good quality and quantity so that we can meet these needs in the body because we need a multitude of protein structures to fulfill that, which means a multitude of amino acids in enough quantity. So they're different than carbohydrate structures. They're very similar to them because they are polymers, but they are um, AKA simple repeating units of nutrients in the body when you consume it. Again, just trying to keep this as easy to digest for those of us who don't aren't scientists, <laughs> but proteins that are made up of amino acids are different from one another, like we've been talking about. And there are 20 types of naturally occurring amino acids that are combined in these different unique sequences, which make up those different structures. So for example, the hormone insulin, which regulates blood glucose, is composed of only 51 amino acids. And on the other hand, collagen, a protein that acts like the glue between the cells, like we've talked about in the previous episode uh, for your joint health and your skin health, et cetera, consists of more than a thousand amino acids. So for a lot of people um, who have reduced their protein quality over the years, I've seen clients that are in their early 40s with really weak, crepey skin because they've deprived themselves for so long of all the amino acids that are needed to create collagen. You cannot create something out of nothing, as we all know. So this is a good example that if you are not consuming enough amino acids in enough quality and quantity, you will unfortunately experience the downside to your body being deprived of these nutrients that it needs for these systems like creating collagen or skin elasticity. And to top that off, the largest known protein is called titan or titan, and it accounts for the elasticity of your muscles and it contains more than 25,000 amino acids. That is insane. So as you can see from all of this, the main point of all of this conversation is that it's really important to understand that protein is not just like a number on your food label and any quality of it is fine because it's not. Unfortunately, you do need to consume the multitude of all of these amino acids in enough quantity so that you can have the best longevity with more than just your muscles, but definitely your muscles because your muscles are actually most of your metabolism, which all my clients know this. If you don't have enough muscle, you're going to have a harder time managing your hormones, your body composition, which then bleeds into your confidence, your mental health, and various things like that. Um, all because you just are lacking in enough muscle, which tends to correlate to not eating enough complete protein to build that muscle, sustain that muscle, etc which if you haven't figured that out yet, that is where this whole chat is so important to understand why the macronutrient of protein is super essential and extremely important. It's nearly the most important macronutrient, I would argue. All of them are important for their own reasons. That's why they're called macronutrients. It's on the macro scale. But I would say protein is the least understood by general population. So it's important to understand it because it's not just something that bodybuilders eat. Um, there's a reason they have to consume it in such high amounts 
for their own goals, but for the everyday human, they actually have just put out a study where they changed their recommendations for geriatric people. So people above the age of 60, 65 or so that they consume a high protein diet to sustain and reduce risk of things like sarcopenia, which is where muscle wasting occurs. And um, you also can't retain muscle. So that's called muscular atrophy. It tends to decline rapidly if you are not challenging the muscles through resistance training and not eating an adequate diet with complete proteins. So I've had several clients that are above the age of 70. Once we get them consuming higher protein, even just with little protein shakes, like whey isolate protein shakes, um, they have a crazy response muscularly and all of their doctors. I, I don't know why, like for those of us that are <laughs> under the age of 40, we don't get the same level of uh, comprehensive annual physicals that all of my clients that are above 70 get. And I've had literally, I would say like 40 or 50 clients, maybe even more than that, that are over the age of 70 over the years. They get like a full in-body scan, which is a body fat composition and muscle composition scan. Um, and all these other blood tests run like consistently every year in this like whole package. And I'm like, why can't my clients under 40 get this test? Like every year, this would be amazingly eye-opening for them, but I digress. Um, and every time we've been training for over a year, then over two years, seeing their muscle increase, their doctors have been so impressed. And it's literally just because we increase their resistance training to one to two times a week, not insanely heavy and increasing their consumption of complete proteins. That's all they need. And they are moving better, healthier, skin's getting better, energy's better, reduction of restless leg syndrome, etc. So don't underestimate the power of protein, especially as you age. Or for those in your life that are aging, this is an important conversation as well. So maybe share it with them <laughs> if that's the case. For all of us though, the benefits of a protein-forward diet would be balancing your blood sugar, like I've said, increases your energy, impacts your sleep in a positive manner, decreases your body fat, improves your body composition because of that, aka adding lean muscle, maintaining lean muscle, losing body fat, that's an excess, and it reduces your cravings. Cravings tend to correlate to uh, imbalanced blood sugar and imbalanced hormones. So by protein's natural ability to just help you manage your blood sugar better and also manage your body composition, your hormones are happier, your blood sugar is happier, so your energy is more stable and your cravings go down. Okay, so that kind of caps off all the sciency in-depth conversation about protein. So if you have any questions, I would love for you to shoot me them. Um, you can DM me at, at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram, or you can reach out to me also on at Coach by Kales on Instagram. If you have any more questions that you want me to kind of continue into uh, future episodes, but I hope that that was very helpful for you to better understand that not all proteins are created equal and it's very important for your health and the health of your community to, to have a access and we all have access, especially in the U S to higher quality proteins and everywhere else doesn't always um, have access to that. But when you really look at the grand scheme, you will understand that the reason that when it comes down to survival in any of the countries that have overpopulation and malnourishment, they're always seeking animal proteins because they know that they can live 
longer off of a fish versus off of rice. And that's just a fact. They, they're in combination because we need nutrient sources for energy. Carbohydrates are energy and fats are energy. Protein can be kind of energy, but more so protein is our nourishment nutrient. So taking care of, of understanding that for your own individual body is really important because it can help make or break your trajectory in life with your overall health. And it seems like, oh, one nutrient can't possibly do that. 100% it does. I've seen it many times and I'm a small scale population sample, but in the field research and the evidence-based science, that is what is true. So I hope that this was helpful for you to understand the science differences between why we need protein more so than just, oh, you're a strength trainer, you're going to push protein on me. (laughs) You know, it's not just that. And you can look anywhere high and low, Dr. Gabriel Lyon, Dr. Stephanie Estima, um, so many different people that are leading scientists and leading doctors in the female space are always talking about how important protein is for you and complete protein at that. So I hope that was very helpful for you. Um, And you can open your mind to it and know that I'm not coming at it from a plant protein is all bad kind of zone because it's not, it has its place and it can be done well. And for those people who don't have a desire to gain muscle and have a healthier composition of their body long-term, Plant protein can be a lifestyle for the rest of your life, but just know you're making sacrifices. You can't always have everything when you're removing an entire nutrient from your diet. Okay, so to finish out a question that a lot of you might be having for the macronutrients, if you are logging macronutrients like we talked about last Sunday of uh, starting to track your protein in the apps. So what my best advice is, is that you look to consume anywhere from 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of lean body mass. So this does not mean your whole body mass. This is where I think a lot of nutrition advice, especially from generic certified trainers or other people who have just deemed themselves as nutrition people in the fitness zone on Fitspo or whatever online kind of miss the mark, is they're usually telling people consume a gram of protein per pound of body weight. That is not beneficial for anybody who exceeds 170 pounds, which is a large majority of people who are working on their health. Um, And again, depends on your ethnicity and your situation. You might naturally not be anywhere below 170 and that's absolutely okay. But that does mean that blanket advice of do 170 grams or more of protein is so hard to do and it's not necessary. What is necessary is you consume enough protein to maintain your current lean body mass and then excess for adding lean body mass and supporting your hunger regulation, blood sugar, etc. So my typical recommendation, and again, not medical advice, it's something that you should run by your doctor um, if, if you're in a situation where it's necessary. Um, for unique health reasons. Most of my females should be consuming anywhere from minimum 100 grams of protein a day all the way up to 150 grams of protein a day. You can absolutely build muscle at that rate and it is going to keep you full throughout your day. And if you can consume, like I personally consume between 120 to 135 grams of protein a day and that's what manages my muscle and my energy and my blood sugar, etc. You just split that into every meal that you plan to have for the day. So this is where the kind of advice that you might be seeing a lot is um, 
consume at least 30 grams of protein per meal because that's the optimal amount for uh, muscle synthesis and or protein synthesis in general is over 30 grams of protein, minimum 30 grams. If you're trying to aim for, let's say 125 grams of protein a day, if you break that into four meals, which is breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack, 30 grams of protein a day will get you there. 31, 32, you can mess around with like what meal has maybe more, but again, you want to max out like every meal is between 30 to 45 grams of protein. If you go above 45 grams of protein, there's going to be excess protein that's just kind of going to be wasted. So because your body can only process up to roughly 40 to 45 grams of protein every meal. And that would be considered like every two hours, I believe. So a good strategy to make it easier is just to aim for at least 30 grams of protein every single meal. Try that every day for the next several weeks and you'll be pretty amazed at how much it's going to impact your body and your composition immediately. And if it doesn't, look at your protein sources. And if you can, if your economic situation allows you to consume higher quality, complete proteins, always go for that because nutrition, your food is medicine. It will influence how healthy you are for the long term based off of the quality of the food and the quantity of how quality your food is. All right, guys, so that is all for the protein conversation. Again, if you have questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me on my Instagrams at Rebel Wellness Podcast, especially if you have not followed it already, go ahead and slide over there, hit the follow. And I would love for you to help our podcast grow and give us a five-star review um, or whatever you feel called to. But um, I do know that um, it is my goal to try to give you the best information I can possibly about everything that is my niche and macronutrients are at the top of the list of things that I have Um, absolutely loved coaching people on and helping them um, grow in. And so I hope that this was helpful for you individually, that you feel like you know a lot more and understand the differences now, because it's not necessarily is one thing bad and one thing good. It's actually just what is the combination that is best for your individual lifestyle and your health goals and how is your health impacted by one or the other. So as always, celebrate your strength, walk in confidence and rebel against everything that does not sit right with you and support your own mental health, physical health, and uh, support each other. So I hope you have a great rest of your day, of your week, wherever you're at, and I will catch you on another episode next Sunday of Rebel Wellness. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, we have some exciting news for you. We've recently launched an Instagram page for the Rebel Wellness podcast, where we'll be sharing inspiring quotes from every episode, behind the scenes moments, and updates about upcoming episodes. So be sure to follow us at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram to stay connected with our community. And it's growing, so I'm really excited about it. That's not all, though. I also want to introduce you to at Coach by Kales, which is my flagship fitness and wellness coaching business, as I am so passionate about empowering individuals like you to live their healthiest and most enjoyable lives. So if you would love to join me there as well, follow my page for daily inspiration, fitness tips, nutrition tips, sometimes even healthy recipes. 
as well as debunking more myths around the health and fitness industry in general. By following both pages, you'll be joining a community of like-minded individuals who are all committed to living their best lives as well. So don't hesitate, hit that follow button and join us on this journey to wellness. Again, thank you for listening and I hope to catch you on the gram.